What's up, podcast? Welcome back to another episode of Speech Analysis on the Public Speakers Podcast. Today's speech analysis is reviewing the talk about how to get over loneliness by by Sarah Voke or Voice. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Um, I personally really enjoyed this talk. I thought it was a unique concept. It was a uh, original spin on a normal concept that I think most of us know about, which is the dilemma of loneliness and how to get over that. Obviously, the basic answer is go get some fucking friends, um, but Sarah eloquently explains a better way to get over being lonely. Um, I really enjoyed the speech. I think you can hear the passion and energy in her voice, even if you can't see it, uh, and just the sort of communicative style that she has to emphasize the key points that she's talking about really makes the entire speech very, very cohesive. So I enjoyed this. I hope you guys enjoy as well. Welcome back to another episode of Speech Analysis. Enjoy the content, and I will see you guys next time. Enjoy. Loneliness is an emotional state that we have when we're feeling disconnected. But our need for connection is ingrained in our DNA. Loneliness is a signal, just like fight or flight, that something isn't right. Loneliness is a public health crisis. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about the introduction. Uh, Introduction is very blunt, nothing super fancy, just saying, look, loneliness is a problem. Here's why it's a problem. And now she's probably going to get into some examples or personal experiences, whatever she's going to talk about to solve the problem or to talk about a solution. Um, She's also introduced the problem, right? That loneliness is literally a public health crisis, which means that there is a urgent concern, a level of uniqueness about this problem that the audience should care about, which is a way to hook an audience almost by fearing them into something that is so prevalent and something that is probably relatable to a lot of them that uh, will keep them captivated towards the rest of the speech and see what Baya has to say about the problem that she's introduced. But one in five Americans suffer from loneliness, which means if you haven't personally suffered from loneliness, it's almost guaranteed that somebody you know closely has. It can cause depression and it can even lead to premature death. But now more than ever, we're living alone. We're spending more time online and less time making meaningful in-person connections. So when emotional storms hit, things like losing a job or going through a divorce or a death, instead of leaning in towards our communities, we've learned to suffer alone. So today I'm going to offer one solution that will bring us more connection and can help cure the epidemic. When I was a kid... Cool. So now we know the speech is going to be going over one solution. The reason she didn't immediately say the solution is because that's probably going to be the punchline towards the speech. Um, So she's getting into a personal experience, and that personal experience will probably frame the rest of the message that she's trying to indicate. She's done a couple things so far. She's implicated the audience. So she gave a good statistic. One in five people are lonely. Probably someone in this conference is lonely or knows someone that is lonely. So if, you know... 80% of the audience has checked out and they're not interested in the speech anymore, at least those 20% probably care um, about what's going on. And and really, your goal is to impact as many people as you can. So the amount of people that you're attracting and, and being able to get their attention, those are the people you're trying to focus on and really bring into and take them on a journey throughout your public speech. I had a really hard time fitting in. I wanted to do whatever I could to belong and to not feel lonely. All I wanted was to find connection. 
So my oh-so-wise adolescent self came up with a solution. I was going to be popular. I carried this thought process throughout my teens, but the problem was the more I wanted to be popular, the more it fueled my need for attention and approval. And when I was 20 years old, as fate would have it, auditions for MTV's reality show, The Real World, came into town. Now, for a girl still starving for approval and attention, this was my ticket. Now, for some of us, when we think about reality TV, we don't really have that strong of a reaction. Never really watched it, don't quite get what all the fuss is about. But for others of us, we do have a strong reaction when we think about reality TV, and we generally fall into one of two camps. The first camp is like, you literally could not pay me enough to go on a reality TV show. In fact, reality TV is everything that is wrong with our society today. And then the second camp is... So I really like what she's doing here, which is using the element of pacing back and forth to describe different examples. So the first example, she goes to the left. The second example, she goes to the right. Even though it's something very subtle, it adds value to the performance of the speech because you're introducing two different worlds almost and then uh, comparing those worlds against each other. This could have also been done by just like raising one hand for the first option, raising a second hand for the second option. Um, and it probably could have been done in, in another couple ways. But the whole point is the differentiation between the two paths potentially that you could go on via the performance of the body movement is very, very good. And it, it really does captivate an audience to care about the first versus the second versus the third, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's something you could take away in public speeches. Instead of just introducing two different scenarios or three different scenarios, try to figure out how to move your body in a way that will literally create those different worlds via the body movement and then have the audience care about each one of them. It's like, go on a reality TV show? <laughs> Honey, I should have my own reality TV show. <laughs> I would be the next Snooki for sure. But with a history like mine, I'll give you one guess which camp I fell into. And at 21 years old, I moved to Brooklyn as part of seven strangers picked to live in a house. I love this quote by Jim Carrey. He says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. But how many of you have gone after a goal based off of the feelings you thought you would feel once you accomplished that goal? The real world didn't bring me connection like I thought it would. In fact, if anything, I was lonelier than I had ever been during those 15 minutes of fame. But this lesson propelled me into the work I do now, studying connection. And whether it's the events I produce or the show that I host or the coaching sessions I have, everything exists to create connection. Because here I am now, my oh-so-wise adult self, searching for what actually creates connection. And here's what I found. In order to feel connected, we need to feel seen, heard, and valued. You may have heard of blue zones. Blue zones are areas all over the world where researchers have found that people live the longest and happiest 
lives. So everybody does this differently. Communities in like Loma Linda, California, Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, Italy. Some pray together while others, they walk together and others simply spend more time nurturing relationships with their families. But the one thing that they all do in common is they prioritize connection. Cool. So this is a good uh, transition to our example. Um, I never knew what a blue zone was, so it's a really unique thing that I think a lot of people haven't heard of. The visual aid is really good, and the correlation between what she's talking about in relation to the visual aid I think is also really good. The prioritized connection seems to be the answer to her original question about the one solution she's talking about. So now that we know the answer, we're going to see for the next however eight minutes um, she articulates the way to be able to prioritize connection. They focus on their relationships. What I found is that these societies have created something that I call an anchor of connection. An anchor is created simply by spending quality time with people who see, hear, and value you. But Bea, how do we create our own anchors of connection? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> The most powerful way to create an anchor is through ritual. Now, I know when we think about ritual, we generally think about religion or sacred ceremony, but today I want to redefine ritual as something that's not necessarily religious or sacred, but instead something that we're already doing on a day-to-day -day basis. The key to making ritual such a powerful tool for connection is that ritual is repeated action plus intention. When you combine repeated action and intention, ritual becomes ingrained in you just like habits do. The best places to find ritual are with your friends and families, in your intimate relationships, and within your communities. Now, we've been gathering around fires forever to storytell and connect. For me and my girlfriends, our couches act as the metaphorical fire that we gather around. Every Monday night, we throw on our leggings, we head to one of our houses, we pour ourselves some rosé, we pile onto the couch, and we just talk. We've ritualized Monday nights as a time where we come to connect and fill our tanks for the rest of the week. And while plenty of Mondays, we're coming and we're talking about the things that are exciting and going well in our lives, but on lots of Mondays, we come with our tanks empty. Whether that's the small storms that have built up, just daily wear and tear, or the bigger storms, like going through a divorce, or a miscarriage. But whether we're grieving or celebrating, we've ritualized Monday nights as our anchor of connection. So I really like this here. Um, again, I'll, you're going to see a lot of public speakers bring up their own original ideas of things that are not like, as I said in a couple of the videos, the eighth wonder of the world, but are still super original in terms of how they're communicating something that 
we know to be sort of true, right? So obviously we know that connection is important. We know that the more friends you have, the more happy you are, like the the more social interactions you have, you have probably a happier life, not always in every situation, but in a lot of situations. An anchor of connection is something that uh, Bea came up with as a concept that she has been able to originally brand, and now she's explaining via the use of her personal experience and other examples what redefining a ritual looks like to be able to create this anchor of connection. And I really like that she's talking about the good and bad times, that she's sitting on the couch with her friends, not just to be happy and socialize, but that socialization socialization comes through the uh, connective struggle of a life event that is happening, which then allows an even deeper bond to be created because there is a level of vulnerability that is being introduced between the people that you are having that anchor of connection with. So I think overall this example is being introduced really well. After Monday nights, I head over to my partner's house and we have a ritual that we've been doing for the past year or so, where before bed, we each say, the thing I love about you most today is... And then we both say something really kind about one another. Now, easy enough to do when we're feeling in love. Not that easy to do when we're in a fight. (laughs) In fact, when we first started this and we were in a fight and I would be angry, it would generally look like this. Hey, babe, do do you want to do the thing I love about you, Ma? No. (laughs) Okay, Do you want to just, like, try it? Not right now. I'm not in the mood. Okay, maybe maybe just once? Okay. The thing I love about you most today is how your eyes sparkle when you're wrong and I'm right. What I could have never guessed this ritual would do is expand my capacity for kindness and compassion. And now when we're in a fight, sometimes I even say the thing I love about him most first. (laughs) It's this ritual that has carried us through our storms. So when our fights could just as easily disconnect us and leave us both feeling lonely, Instead, we've ritualized our anchor of connection. You know, it's interesting. Now that I know what blue zones are, whenever I'm traveling, I'm always looking for blue zone qualities. And recently, I took a trip to France with some of the same girlfriends who I spend Monday nights with. Landing in Paris was amazing and exactly like you'd think it was if you've never been. The cobblestone streets, the shutters, the windowsills with the flowers, the bakeries whispering, screw you, gluten-free diet. You're not welcome here. In France, meals are rituals. So dinners, for instance, they start later and last longer. And whether it's two people or 10 people, you sit down and you enjoy the meal for at least two hours and usually three. The food takes a long time. No phones are out. And when the meal is over, you sit and you talk some more.
Day in and day out, the French go back to the table for their ritualized anchor of connection. Our last stop in France was Nice. We arrived 12 hours after the Bastille Day attack, where the truck driver drove through the fireworks celebration, tragically killing 84 people. It would have been so easy for everybody to retreat, to disconnect, to suffer alone. But instead, what we saw were storefronts and restaurants opening their doors. And even just 12 hours after complete tragedy, people went back to the table. They went back to their ritual. We weren't in the mood to go out that night. So we went back to the apartment. We put on our leggings. We poured ourselves some rosé. We piled onto the couch and we just talked. We went back to our ritual. Because in the face of a storm, in the face of disaster, in the face of complete tragedy, ritual acts as your anchor of connection. Now, my core desire to be liked and approved of, it might never go away. Just like your core desires might not either. So I liked here in that example, her voice got really um, like faster as she, and, and like sort of louder and it, it inflected as she was talking about something even deeper and deeper, which captivated my attention, which really sorted, it sort of began to impact me when she was talking about anchor of connection and now she's bringing it back to the beginning of the speech about how like she always wanted to be famous and wrapping it up in that conclusion which is a really good way to connect both of them but what i know now that i didn't know when i was 20 years old praying that the real world was my answer to loneliness and my ticket to connection is that connection isn't created by the things we go get Connection is created by the things we go back to. So my invitation to you today is simple. Don't do something new. Find something you're already doing with your friends and families or in your intimate relationships or within your communities. And do that thing over and over and over again. Do it with intention. Doing, do it during the good times and do it during the mundane. So when the inevitable emotional storms hit, you have your ritual to go back to. You have your very own anchor of connection. Thank you. Okay, so that was A Simple Cure for Loneliness by Buy a Voice or Evoke. Um, I really like this speech. This was a brand new concept. I had never heard of this before. Um, it, it seems similar, right? Like we should all know what an anchor of connection is, but or like like the idea of it. But nonetheless, the the way it was communicated was so original and new that I thought it gave the speech a lot of validity. Um, a couple things I really liked about the speech. One, I think there was a call to action at the end. So there was a 
need for the audience to be able to engage in this ritual in order to be able to create their own anchor of connection. And the macro level purpose behind this is for happiness, right? The idea that, and this is what she talked about at the beginning of the speech, which is that more people are happier if they have social interaction and connections. How do we get that? We have to have an anchor of connection. How do we get that? We have to create repeated rituals. So there was a constant sort of bringing along the line that um, Baya is talking about that is able to provide a solution that is detailed and impactful in the way that is trying to resolve the problem that she's pointing out, which is the problem of loneliness that was introduced in the beginning of the speech. I thought the conclusion of to it, to it had a good call to action because she talked about a personal experience of creating a ritual, doing it over and over again with intention. She talked about examples historically and in different geographical places like in France. And now she's telling the audience that they can take that exact same framework and implement it into their own life, um, which will be a way for them to create that anchor of connection which w through the use of rituals, which will ultimately lead to a more happier life, which is her macro level purpose of the speech. Um, some small things that I noticed is at the end, I don't know if you caught it, uh, she said that keep doing things when they're good or keep doing things when they're mundane. She could have said bad, right? But she said mundane. And I really liked that vocabulary choice because it, it, it didn't make it seem as simple as just good or bad, but mundane is, it means a little bit different than just bad. It means, it means a little bit more harsh, something that is something that is a tough time, something that is a more boring time, something that is a time that it's hard to just get through, which is different than just being a bad time. Uh, little vocabulary choices like that, believe it or not, they stick with the audience. They definitely stick with me. And they stick with people who are looking to be impacted in a way that is not uh, as simple as just being able to say good or bad. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but there's definitely more nuance that you can put into these speeches by simple, subtle changes, which is what I really liked in this speech. Um, so overall, I thought it was a great message, a great idea. I thought her, her passion was great. I thought the use of body movement was awesome. So an overall good speech. Let me know what you guys think. Leave your thoughts in the comments. Leave a speech you would like me to review and hopefully I'll do it on the next, on the next video. And yeah, thank you guys for watching. I will see you in the next episode of Speech Analysis.